Grace is a character that can sometimes be like a joke, like a one note kind of joke. But what I wanted to do with Grace was just give her agency. She is a woman who knows herself and seeks pleasure and doesn't apologize for it and is full of life. She's a liberated woman in a time where women who chose themselves got labeled something else. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda-Silgado. If you've been listening to our podcast or if you read our stories, then you already know we've been in touch with award-winning actor April Mathis since the start of the pandemic. In June of 2021, Mathis joined us for a conversation about what the closure of theaters across New York City meant for actors. Then, in April of 2022, Mathis told us about her experience starring in the play Help with an all-white cast. In all of our conversations, Mathis highlights issues for those working in theater and the need for safe, healthy, and inclusive working conditions. She also gives valuable insight into the future of the industry. Now, Mathis is joining us once again to discuss her Broadway debut as Grace in the revival of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson. Set in 1936, the play centers a battle in the Charles household. At the forefront lies the family's prized heirloom piano. On one side, a brother plans to build the family fortune by selling it. On the other, a sister will go to any length to keep it and preserve the family history. Before we begin, a quick message. New year, new ways to get involved in what happens in your neighborhood. On Saturday, January 7th at 2 p.m., you're invited to participate in a community visioning session at City Field. Join Epicenter NYC and other members of our community to help shape the future of Queens. Don't miss it. To RSVP, visit queensfuture.com. Now, back to the show. Here's Epicenter's Mitra Kalita and April Mathis. Okay, April, you're the only person we've interviewed that has had a trajectory from what the heck is going to happen on Broadway when everything was shut down to starring off Broadway to now being on Broadway. I, I literally saw that you were in this production of The Piano Lesson, and I thought, we've talked to her a few times. I wonder how things are going I mean, really, with all sincerity, you've just offered our audiences such insight into these like many phases of theater, of New York reopening. And I'll tell you, like one thing that you said to me that really has stuck with me was in our first conversation, this was during the shutdown. And you said, this is not a hobby for me. This is my livelihood. And so I guess I just wondered, you know, briefly, how did you go from that moment to now being in a Broadway show? Well, what's interesting is that I was actually cast in this uh, back in 2019. And so 2020 was supposed to be when this production happened. And, you know, at the time that seemed like forever away, but it also seemed really realistic to me, given the circumstances, because there had been this talk of like, well, we're putting off, you know, these shows that are supposed to happen in spring of 2020, we're, we're putting them off for like the fall. And, you know, maybe all of this coronavirus stuff will be straightened out in the fall. And that just didn't seem realistic to me at all. 
2022 seemed like a safe bet. And so I was comforted by that. But then 2021 came and went, and I hadn't heard anything specifically about uh, this production. And I began to doubt whether it was going to happen. And then at uh, the beginning of 2020, after I'd already signed on to do help at the shed, I got a call from my agent that they were, in fact, back on with renegotiating the contracts uh, with different producers for this show. So this thing that I had kind of like that seemed like pipe dream, like just one of the many hopes and dreams that were lost to 2020, like that, that it was actually a promise that was to be fulfilled was, was amazing. Really- and is this your is this your Broadway debut? It is. How does it feel? It's great, and it feels like a really kind of uh, manageable way to do it, fortuitous way to do it, because there are a lot of Broadway shows right now that are great, that were transfers that are not able to have their full runs. It's nice to be able to have what for me is the, the longest run I've ever done. I've gotten to know myself so much better as an actor. And uh, how I work in a long, protracted process and a really, at the same time, focused and concentrated process with two scenes, basically, in this whole giant two hours and a lot of change play. Well, you own those scenes. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I kind of feel like I know you now. And I was prepared for, like, you know, a small role. But when you said there's two scenes, I mean, they're really your scenes. I mean, it was really remarkable to see. Was the plan always for um, Samuel L. Jackson and John David Washington to be in the show? Or is that? Yes. Okay. And LaTanya Richardson Jackson directing. When I received the offer, all those names were attached, including Danielle Brooks. And offer letter said something to the effect of all involved would like you to uh, play the role of Grace. That's amazing. So just, um, I'll I'll ask you what I've asked you before. Just tell us about the role of Grace uh, specifically. All right. Grace is a character that can sometimes be like a joke, uh, like a one note kind of joke. But what I talked about with LaTanya Richardson Jackson, the director, who is not incidentally the first woman to direct August Wilson on Broadway, she really wanted to uh, center these women's stories and their personhood. And so she didn't want the Grace character to be just, a, as she called it, a floozy. Danielle, after the first act, which is really emotionally heavy for her and on a climactic note, she'll usually come by my dressing room uh, between acts and say, okay, let's have fun or, you know, let's go get them, you know, uh, even though the second act is actually <laughs> like a lot of emotional heavy lifting for her too. You know, there is this acknowledgement that like, we're the two cis females in the show and in a Wilson's body of work, there's, there's not a ton of uh, women's voices in it. And so what I, I wanted to do with Grace was just give her a full life, give her agency. She's not being coerced. She wants to be there. She is a woman who knows herself and seeks pleasure and doesn't apologize for it and is full of life. And part of the play where 
Bernice is also being asked questions of the men around her about what does it mean to be a woman, to be a single woman, to be a single mom in this society in Pittsburgh in 1936 as a Black woman. Do, do you need a man to make you complete, to make you financially secure, to help take care of your child? And I think there's a seeing that Danielle and I have talked about of like, here's a woman who is navigating being a Black unmarried woman as Grace in a completely different way. Right. Uh, you know, when, right. when I come in, I'm wearing this gorgeous red dress. She has her nails done. She has her hair done. She's got on red shoes and black fishnet stockings. And uh, this is someone who represents like the life and vibrancy of the Hill District. There are saloons, there are movie theaters, there's like places to have fun and not just work. There's pleasure seeking industry in this city. And uh, there are different versions of what that nightlife is. Maybe it's violent. Maybe there's like organized crime involved. Maybe there's petty crime involved. Maybe there's prostitution involved. I don't think that's Grace's story. I mean, she seems to be someone who is choosing companionship. She's a liberated woman in a time where women who chose themselves got labeled something else. Wilson kind of leaves it open for her not to be a joke and for her not to be judged. Like when I read the script on the page it's like well everything she's saying makes sense she has a voice she's making choices I just approached it from that perspective it's you talked a little bit about um the dynamic between you and Danielle Brooks of course from Orange is the New Black and she's an amazing actress I wondered because the last time we talked to you you talked a lot about help and sort of the role of being you know it was written for a Black person, it centers Blackness, um, and yet the rest of the cast was white. In this case, if I'm not mistaken, it's an all-Black cast, correct? It is. It is. It is. Just tell us a little bit about that experience. Have you been in an all-Black cast before, and that too on Broadway as your debut? Is there is there anything symbolic in that? I was in, the last time I was in an all-Black cast was Tony Stone at the Roundabout, and What's interesting as a parallel to that and help was I was the only Black woman with a, a cast of Black males. And in help, I was the only Black woman with a cast of mostly white men. So it was interesting because help we did at the beginning of the year. And that was a show that I was carrying where I talk the entire show. <laughs> the entire show is a monologue interrupted by scenes of dialogue and a chorus of white people dancing. A, a very different, very different dynamic. And while the my white cast members to a person were really lovely and really supportive and great at giving me space, but also checking in. And like, I felt very supported by the Shed staff and uh, Taby, our director. It was still a hard show. This show is a different dynamic because it is an ensemble piece and I'm a piece of the ensemble. I do not have to carry the entire show, but it's challenging in a different way because I'm used to carrying so much of story, what I 
put on myself is I listen to the entire first act of the show backstage and then I concentrate everything I know how to do as an actor into two scenes. Mm -hmm. So um, I wonder if we had like six more months, if I could just kind of like not think about anything and just breeze in and waltz in and do the scenes and waltz out and watch a TV show. But I hold this focus in me. So it, it feels like I'm on stage for two hours plus. Well, that does bring us to what is happening on Broadway now, because I think we're in one of the most diverse moments on Broadway that I've seen in about 20 plus years of going to the theater, right? There's a lot of diverse programming. It's also a very precarious time, both in the economy and people returning to shows, but also the nature of the shows and the types of people who might go to them. I just wondered how you react to that as someone who's been trying to break into Broadway, right? This is this is this is the ultimate stage in so many ways. And then the reality of like being on one of these shows and you're like, are are we? Like, how can you plan? Are we are we there? Are we not? Like, is that taking a toll on you? Well, I, I don't feel that way with piano lesson. As far as I know, from the beginning, we've been selling pretty well. And I, I don't take that for granted because of what I see around me. Yeah. I think it helps having a limited run. And I think it helps uh, having these brilliant stage and TV film actors whose work is very well known internationally to have the opportunity to see them sink their teeth into a meaty August Wilson play for a limited amount of time and to see uh, Samuel L. Jackson whose people have you know followed for decades to get to see him and spend an evening at the theater with him still doing this and still wanting to do this as I said, I don't take that for granted. I feel very privileged that my Broadway debut is like this because I had friends who had their Broadway debuts at the beginning of Broadway reopening. And while I was thrilled to get to see them, like we all felt the clock ticking on Broadway's back-ish, is it? You know, do people feel comfortable coming to a theater? and sitting with a bunch of people and laughing and breathing together, you know. I think I saw more Broadway in the fall of 2021 than I ever have. Like, I think I saw like six or seven plays in like a couple of months because the tickets were cheaper, because the programming was more diverse. That's such a good point that there was this opening that was kind of created. Yeah, and uh, so you got to see this great work in these beautiful old theaters with like the production values they can only dream of off-Broadway. It was thrilling to watch and it made it seem that much more accessible. Like you didn't have to already be famous. It didn't have to be the revival of something. So that was really exciting and uh, encouraging to see. I'll ask you what I ask you, I think every time, is there anything you need or you think people should know? We just negotiated a a new contract and uh, that is being voted on or polls just closed, but, you know, equitable pay, time off, 
adequate like sick leave, sick pay, all of those things are still issues for those of us working in the American theater. Like uh, we're part of a union, we're workers, we do what we love, but we also work hard and we get sick and we have families that we support. And while everyone is glad to be back, we are still always working to ensure that the conditions we're coming back to are safe and healthy, mentally, emotionally, racially inclusive, and responsive and healthy workspaces. I, I think if we just keep in mind that theater workers are workers and not just people who chose a kooky job because they're just kooky folks who just don't have a care in the world. We have cares in the world. I think that if people keep that in mind, then it helps to take our concerns more seriously. The piano lesson has been extended by popular demand and will now run through the end of January. To see showtimes and buy tickets, visit pianolessonplay.com slash ticket slash or click the link in our show notes. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.